0: Good morning, Chillicothe Bible Church. (laughs) Thank you. Um, If you are new here or or unfamiliar, we take this time in our service to review one belief, one simple belief that we hold as Christians every week, and then why that is important, how it affects the way we live. And we've been doing that actually for uh, a little over two years now. And so this year, I'm really trying to hone in not just repeating what we believe, although there is incredible value in that, but also trying to dive more deeply into why this matters for us. And so this week, the question that we have been asking, and we'll ask for a couple more weeks, is what is God like? And for this week, the answer to that question is that God has no limits. Now, what do we mean by that? This is what we mean. God has no limits because human beings are made in God's image. We resemble him in many ways, except that we are limited and God is not. For instance, we have power. God is all-powerful. We have knowledge. God is all-knowing. We are present in a place and a time. God is all-present in all places at all times. In addition, God has control of all things at all times. We call this his sovereignty. Now, why is this important? And I was thinking about this, and actually, the last song, uh, not I, but Christ Through Me, really um, illustrates why this truth is so important. You see, because God has no limits, that means we don't have to be limitless. <laughs> and that may seem obvious, of course. We can't be, even if we tried. But but think back to the Old Testament. One of the things that in the Old Testament they that it was very important that God commanded his people was to practice the Sabbath. Um, one of the ways that it was practiced is that every week they stopped all of their work. Now, why would they do that? Well, the reason that they did that is because even though they had to work hard, they had to till the soil, plant the soil, water it to get the plant to grow. Ultimately, though, God was the one who caused the growth. So God could say, cease from your work and let me make sure that you will be provided for. It was an exercise of faith, an exercise in acknowledging that while we are limited, God is limitless. While we can work hard, ultimately God causes the growth. How does that apply for the Christian? Well, the fruit of the Spirit, peace, flows from that. Imagine for a second if the burden of salvation for our friends and our neighbors and the world rested upon us. How much frantic we would be. We would constantly be trying to work. And in fact, some of us still carry that burden a little too much. We would think that if I just do one more program, one more event, if I just took one less hour of sleep and and spent just a little harder or a little better in the way that I share the gospel, then maybe they would be saved. But God frees us from that. Do we still work hard? Yes. But now we don't work hard out of a frantic burden to save a lost because we can't save anyone. We can't even save ourselves. But God is the God who saves. God is the God who grows his church. So when we work hard, it's not out of a, scrambling to try to grow God's church it's out of a joy of a God who has saved us so we work hard in order to show our love to him knowing that ultimately God is the God who grows his church God is the God who provides for us do we work hard in our jobs yes we're called to work hard but it's not because we can somehow provide for ourselves and God provides for us we work hard out of joy and love to the God who has saved us. That changes things completely, and that's why it's important that God has no limits. So I encourage you, uh, if you do not have one of these um, and you want to use it, we have more of these uh, on the table, or if they've run out, I have more in my office that I can get and put out there. But I encourage you as a group or as a family to dig a little deeper in this truth this week. Um, and if you are one of the younger ones with us, third grader younger, if you would join Mr. Rod. Children's Church today.
1: Well, good morning, Chili Bible. Morning. Uh, Hey, thank you. Um, I I can just tell you, I can hardly express how grateful I am to be out of the hospital Um, and here with you this morning. um, To say it's been an eventful year so far uh, hardly seems to do it justice. Um, you know, in the, since since Christmas, we have replaced a water heater, a sump pump, a washing machine, a car. I've had two surgeries. Karen's had a couple extra scans done after uh, her annual checkup. Uh, they didn't find anything, praise God. But it's been an eventful several weeks, <laughs> and uh, and I am carrying around this apparatus for the next probably two weeks to a month, uh, it's a wound vac that will suck that incision closed over the next, uh, like I say, two to four weeks. So um, it's been an eventful few weeks. And then on top of that, of course, you all got a letter. And I just want to address that head on. Um, first of all, um, I really wanted to be here last week. And to, to stand in front of you and to talk to you and to reassure you that um, that when we made this decision, it was first of all not made flippantly. Uh, it was made with a lot of prayer. Uh, the guys with Pathways have talked to me since 2018 about being part of their team. And uh, beginning in 2018, they said, do you want to join the team? Uh, no. And they said, do you want to pray about it first? No. Uh, <laughs> but... but and they ask again, 2019, same same conversation, 2020, same conversation. Of course, the world came unscrewed in 2020. That made it really easy to say no. Um, 2021, 2022 rolled around, and we were in, I was up in the mountains of the Himalayas. And uh, they said, how about now? And I said, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> and... um And I knew then that it would mean stepping away from my role as pastor of Silicon Valley Church. And I didn't know what all that would mean, but I knew that it would mean stepping out of a role that I love. And I wasn't sure if it would mean stepping away from a church that I love or not. Praise God, that's not the way that decision has unfolded. But it was not easy. And um, and so that decision was made with a lot of prayer uh, from, t- from about November 2022 until October of this year when we went for interviews. And then uh, they told me they would like to hire me if I wanted the job in November of this last year. And we took a breath, having prayed about it now for a year at that point, and said yes. And then the hard part started of having to tell the elders who I love and who love me and talking with them about how to communicate to you and then trying to communicate to you, whom I love, uh, that I'll have a different role going forward. And let me just assure you, it is not because we do not love you that we are taking this on no one, no pastor ever had people any better than mine. Nobody I know has a better congregation than this one. And we love you. And we will always love you. And that's why we're not moving. (laughs) That's why we're not leaving the church. Uh, We may have to step away for a bit when you hire my successor, depending on who that is, and that'll be at God's direction. Um, just to allow that guy to get his legs under him. And then I will. I will uh, during that time I'll be. Uh, one of those flying buttresses. Like a cathedral in Europe. You know a big support from the outside. Right. Um, but then we'll be back. Um, and we're not leaving. Um, but I will be overseas about 30% of every year. And um, we really feel like it was the Lord's doing, the Lord's calling. And it was something that um, if we didn't do it, we were going to be disobedient to Jesus. And given that that's not our plan for how we live life, we felt like we had to say yes. And um, and so you are going to get... Um, someone better than me, I hope, uh, to be your pastor. Um, but we're also going to partner together. Uh, the church, um, the elders want to uh, be my sending church here at Silicon Valley Bible Church, which I think would be great. Uh, I would love to have as many of you who would like to partner with me um, you know, be part of my, my sending team uh, to pray, to give, to who have a share in a ministry um, that is absolutely vital. There are 1.3 billion people in India who have never heard the gospel. And they are not going to hear it. Absent people being willing to to help train up pastors and leaders and evangelists to go and spread it. And so that is what we are going to do. We're going to ride to the sound of the gun and raise up leaders and pastors in a multiplying movement to do that very thing. That's already happening. Uh, you guys sent me in 2022. Uh, we trained 15 guys in this little village in the jungle in the mountains of the Himalayas. Uh, those 15 guys are now 100 guys who have planted six churches in the last 14 months. That is because of you that that happened. Okay. Yeah. Praise God. Okay. That is because of you sending me to go do that. And by God's grace, we plan to put a training center in every one of the 28 states in India. 13 of which it would be illegal to do so, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, because the gospel needs to get to every person, and every tribe, and every nation, and every language. So. I'd um, love to talk to you more about that. Karen and I will sit down with whoever wants to uh, over dinner or coffee or whatever. I've also got some material out of the foyer uh, that will tell you more about what we're doing and how we're doing it, what the strategy is, uh, and also how to join our team, if you want to be part of that. But um, this morning, uh, what the elders asked me to do this morning was to give a message about missions and about what God is doing in the world and about God's calling to carry the gospel to, as Jesus said uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And God has laid a calling on His people to go to the uttermost parts of the earth with the gospel. And so we want to take a step back from James for just a week here, and look at uh, what I'm calling God's mission, uh, my mission, and our mission as Chillicothe Bible Church. Uh, so, you got your Bible. I'd love to have you flip over to the last book in it, uh, to the, the book of Revelation uh, and to chapter 7. And we're going to look at um, one of the things that will happen near the very end of human history. Okay, so uh, if you're able, if you'd stand, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. He said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night. In his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his, with his presence, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You'd pray with me, God, our heavenly Father. Uh, we thank you that we are looking forward into the future and that one day this will be reality. People from every tribe, every nation, every language, every people group will be gathered with us, your people around the throne and we will all sing and shout praises because Father, you have accomplished salvation and you are working in the world today to bring about this very thing. We praise you and we thank you for allowing us to share in it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, if you'd be seated, yeah. Um, so, ever heard anybody say, uh, "Everything, well, everything happens for a reason." You hear that? Uh, it's pretty common thought, even among people who aren't Christians. But we who are Christians know what the reason is. Amen. We know what the reason is. And the reason is is that God is actively at work in the world to accomplish His purpose. God has a purpose for human history. You know what it is? It's this right here. This is God's purpose in human history. He is actively at work redeeming a people for Himself, and then as that is accomplished, He will redeem creation itself, we will have all kinds of people from all creation and we will have a new creation in which we will dwell right and every tr- every trace and effect of sin will be eliminated from creation and we will dwell as redeemed people face to face with Jesus Christ our lord for all eternity and so everything that god is allowing to happen in the world everything god is directing to happen in the world is all centered around this one goal of the redemption of people from every tribe and nation every language and people group and what we're seeing here in this passage right here in revelation is a snapshot of something that will be in the future uh, when will the when will the gospel get to everybody well it is getting to everybody now it is we're doing the best we can to get to, to get it to everybody now. But the final accomplishment of that goal will not take place until the Great Tribulation falls. And then it will take place, I believe, through the 144,000 Jews who are mentioned earlier in the chapter. That they will be sealed and used as God's uh, final round of evangelists to go out into all the world. Uh, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel will be redeemed for that purpose, for the the final fulfillment of the Great Commission. But in the meantime, God is still active, still at work, still sending people out to all the nations. And and the Great Tribulation will be essentially Satan's last-ditch effort to lead as many people to hell with him as he can before God's final judgment falls. But despite His best effort, God's purpose in saving people is not going to be thwarted. Look at verse 9. Again, who are the people? They are people from a great multitude, first of all. So there's how many of them? It says, no one could number them. No one could number them. In other words, you would wear yourself out counting how many people there are And they're from every nation. All the countries. They're from all the tribes within those countries. Uh, They're from every people group. Every ethne is the word that's there. Okay? Every ethnicity. Every language. Just in India, there are 6,000 languages. There'll be people from every one of those one day gathered around the throne. There are right now in the world roughly 4,000 people groups with no church, no gospel, no Bible in their language. But one day, there will be believers from those places. So what needs to happen? Well, the gospel needs to get to them. And God is at work in the world right now everywhere to bring this about. And you notice something else here. That these are people who are clothed in white. Why are they clothed in white? It says because they have washed their robes. They, you know, it's a word for their, their clothes, right? I don't know if we'll be wearing like you know New Testament style you know, robes in heaven or not. But the idea is is that what clothes they're wearing are white because they have made them white in the blood of the Lamb, it says. Right? In other words, these are God's purified people. These are not people with any trace of sin to them. How did that happen? Well, their sin has been washed away in the blood of the Lamb. These are people who believe in Jesus. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when... When you put your faith in Jesus, how many of your sins still remain for you to pay for? Zero. Now, that is the right answer. If you didn't have that answer, like immediately to mine, get that in your head, okay? And more than that, in your heart, that Jesus has paid every single sin you've ever done, ever will do. He's paid them all. And there's nothing left for you to atone for, okay? You don't have to, like, you know, believe in Jesus and then walk three Girl Scouts across the street and buy buy a case of cookies, okay? There's nothing left for you to do to be saved by the grace of God. Your sins have been washed away. And so these are God's purified people. Also, notice this is not the final fulfillment of God's purposes. This is a further point in history than where we are, uh, where all this is happening. Because we're not yet there, we're not yet in the great tribulation. Uh, we're not yet; we've, the gospel has not yet reached every tribe and people group, every language and nation. But this is not the end. But He promises them what is true for all of us and for every person who believes in Jesus: that there is a day when you will serve the Lord before. Him, you will be before him day and night in his temple, and you'll be sheltered by God. When you will not get sunburned, you will not. Now won't that be great? Okay. Um, the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. You'll you'll drink from springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. In other words, it's this is He's looking forward to the end. That's the ultimate end. is where people from every nation, every tribe, every language, every people group are all part of the one people of God. And we all worship God together and we all live forever in eternity in a place where there is no reason to cry anymore. Except maybe tears of joy. Because God has been so good to you. And God is going to accomplish this. This is what He's doing in the world. The world looks chaotic, amen? Um, but what is God doing? Satan has got his purposes to sow as much evil and, and wickedness and destruction and death in the world as possible. What God has a purpose to. And His purpose is different. His purpose is the redemption Of a people for himself, from all nations, from all tribes, all people groups, all languages, to one day be with him as part of his family. Now, uh, I want to flip over with you to uh, the book of Acts and show you something. Um, This is about my mission. What is what is God doing with me, and how did we get here? Um, this is just a scriptural example of the kind of thing that we are being sent to go do. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Now there was a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, who came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, Just so we can all understand what's happening here in case you are a little light on your understanding of the book of Acts, uh, who these people are. Priscilla and Aquila are a married couple. Uh, Priscilla is the woman. Aquila is the man. And they're believing Jewish friends of the Apostle Paul. They came to faith in Jesus while they were living in Rome. Now Paul had not got there yet. But they were living in Rome and then uh, the two of them and all of their fellow Jews got kicked out of the city of Rome. Um, the Roman emperor, whose name was Claudius at that time, uh, said, "We need to get rid of all of the Jews." And we you know, they kind of had a pogrom and kicked them all out. And all you Jews got to go find somewhere else to live. No, no Jews can live in Rome anymore. And so Priscilla and Aquila moved to the city of Corinth, where Paul happened to be. He lived there for three years, establishing and planting the church in Corinth. And they showed up, and they were tent makers and fellow Jews and believers in Jesus, and they and Paul connected and became friends. And so when Paul left Corinth after three years, they were like, hey, we want to go with you. So they came along to the next place that Paul went which was the city of Ephesus, which is located in what's now modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was Greek-speaking at that time. And um, and when they get there, they see this guy who's a, who believes in Jesus. Um, he is preaching and proclaiming true things about Jesus, uh, but he doesn't know everything he should know. He just knows what he has been taught, and so he is preaching and proclaiming uh, about Jesus in a way that's true, but lacks some things. Um Paulus had a lot of admirable qualities. He understands a lot about the scriptures. He believed in Jesus with genuine faith, and what he preached about Jesus was true, but he was lacking in his understanding of everything he really needed to know. And one of the major things that he didn't know was anything about baptism in Jesus' name. He knew about John's baptism for repentance in preparation for the Messiah to come, but nothing about the fact that you need to be baptized as a Christian in Jesus' name, which means that there were parts of following Jesus that he didn't know anything about. And he didn't know, for example, that baptism is the first major step of obedience to Jesus after you believe in him. He didn't know that it was part of your public proclamation of faith in Jesus and that it symbolizes with your body what has happened in your soul. That you and your old life have died and been buried with Christ at the cross and your new life has come through his resurrection. And these are some pretty significant things that he knew nothing about. And so here comes Aquila and Priscilla. And they basically just wrap their arms around this brother. And they say, hey man, We love what you're doing. We love your zeal. We're encouraged by your faith. But there's some things that you need to know. Can we help you? And so he's like, yeah, fill me in. So they do. They fill him in. And then, you know what happens after this? Apollos goes out and just preaches the gospel all over the Mediterranean. And he has this enormous ministry. Uh, he goes He goes over to Corinth and he preaches for a while. People there fall in love with him. They think he is the greatest preacher they have ever heard. Right? What happens to Aquila and Priscilla? Well, this is kind of the highlight reel for them. This is their major role in the story. And they show up. They get mentioned a few other times later in the New Testament. But they kind of fade into the background. Right? And if you want to understand what it is that I'm stepping down from Chile Bible to go and do, it's essentially this, to be Aquila and Priscilla. To come alongside pastors and church leaders who believe in Jesus and who are already zealously preaching the truth about Him, but who lack some understanding and some skills that would help them to proclaim Jesus more clearly and to deepen their understanding of the faith. And so my job essentially is to take is to come alongside them and help them advance their ministry in places where God has already put them. In many cases, here in like here in Acts 18, there's not any church. When Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos and Paul were all there uh, at the beginning, there was no church in Ephesus. Apollos was there trying to start one. And there aren't any believers except Him. And uh, there's lots of opposition, but our job is to kind of come alongside and help these guys uh, and then send them out from there to thrive in ministry. And they plant churches all over. Like I say, that group of guys that you sent me to in November of 2018, they planted six churches. They've multiplied the training that they got from us to eighty-five more people, beyond my expectation, and they—they're like, "Oh, we got like six other locations we want to start." One of these guys is walking from there into Nepal over the mountains. Another guy, um, another guy uh, in that same group is from part of India that is 900 miles east. Like, how did you get here? I walked. Through the jungle? Because it's nothing but jungle between here and there. He's like, yeah, but my people have been doing that kind of thing for generations. It's fine. (laughs) Right? But he's there to preach the Gospel. And he's getting equipped. Um, So... um, If you're wondering why I would leave our thriving congregation to be a missionary, it's because I think that God has called me to do this work, this kind of work, to equip and come alongside and support guys and send them out to do thriving ministry and then for me, to fade into the background and disappear from the story. So that one day, people from places that I will never visit will be gathered around the throne of God singing praise to Him not because of what I did, but because of what guys I equipped went to go do. And we believe that this kind of work is vital to the mission just like it was in the book of Acts. Because Apollos went out and I mean his ministry thrived. He preached everywhere. And everybody wanted to have him in to proclaim Jesus. And he was able to, to refute those who opposed him and able to, to proclaim the Gospel clearly. And it was amazing. Now, lest anybody think to themselves, well, that's good for you, Pastor. I mean, clap, clap, right? Glad you're going to do that. Um, and I'm glad that God is active in the world, saving people. Um, but I don't see what that has to do with me. Okay. One more passage we're going to look at. Okay? Flip over if you would to 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Okay? This is what the word of God says there. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men will be able to teach others also. Now, how many of you all have a bulletin? You got a bulletin? Hold it up. You got a bulletin? Okay. Alright, on the front of your bulletin at the top, you will see something. Okay? Front side, the side, with the side with all the announcements on it. Okay? You'll see that it says, we exist to glorify God by... Making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, right? Where do we get that from? Well, among other places, this verse right here, along with hundreds of other places where we are either shown what it means to make disciples or commanded to go and do it. The entire New Testament is about that very thing about being a disciple of Jesus, and then about teaching other people how to follow it. Uh, much of the Old Testament is, de- is designed the same way. Do You know what Proverbs is? It's instruction from Father to Son on this is how you live life and, and are obedient to God. In other words, discipleship. Right? Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God tells the people of Israel, all the things that I'm teaching you, you're to teach your kids. And as you walk along the road and as you go as you lay down and as you rise up and as you go in and out of your house, you're to talk about the word of God. In other words, you're to disciple other people. With the idea that the truth that you have been that you've learned and been taught and internalized into your heart gets poured out into somebody else, right? That is the only method that God appoints and approves for His people to follow. That this person infects this person with the Gospel and following Jesus. And then that person goes and infects 15 other people with the Gospel and what it means to follow Jesus. Right? All of us who live through 2020 understand how that works. Right? Like one of us got sick and then like 50 people later got sick as a result right only what we want to do is not spread death and disease but healing and life and pass it on to other people and so so Paul says to Timothy two really important things you'll notice there's a process in this by the way anybody anybody know why there's three little dots at the end of our mission statement it's because of the idea that this is an ongoing, repetitive process. Okay, or you know, you could use the word "ad infinitum." And if you don't know what that means, it's Latin, It loosely translates to infinity and beyond. Okay, if you're a fan of Buzz Lightyear, right? But the idea is, is that until Jesus comes, this is what we, as a church, exist to do. We exist to be disciples. Of Jesus Christ, who follow him, and who follow him closely enough that the dust of the master's feet are on top of ours. And that we imitate Jesus and then we teach other people to imitate Jesus as we imitate Jesus. Come follow me as I follow Jesus. Come with me together, right? But if you look, there's a process to this. And the first thing is this: both of these are important. Verse 1, you then, my child, Paul is the older man writing to his son in the faith, the guy who led, he led to Christ, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're not going to do this on your own, Timothy. You're going to have to rely on Jesus. You're going to have to uh, grow to maturity in your faith in Christ. You're going to have to learn how to follow Jesus yourself. And then as you grow and as you go into the world, then what you've heard me teach you, what you've heard me teach you, entrust to other people who can teach other people. Right? This is is ancient wisdom that shows up in places that you would not think of uh, like McDonald's. Right? When you go to McDonald's, they do not teach you how to make hamburgers. As an employee, they teach you how to teach someone to make hamburgers. Why is that? Well, if the average age of your employee workforce was uh, 16 and the average duration of their employment was six weeks, you're going to have to figure out in your business how to make money given those stats. And so what they do is they don't teach people to make hamburgers. They teach people how to teach other people how to make hamburgers. Because then we know that this guy is not probably going to be here very long, so we need him to pass this on. Uh, it needs to go from Cletus to Clyde to Leroy, right? And uh, it needs to get. To, we need to get the same process so that when you order a cheeseburger from McDonald's, wherever you are in the world, it tastes and looks exactly the same, right? And that's the idea here is that, Timothy, what you've heard me teach you, you teach someone else. With the idea that the someone else you teach, and it's plural here, reliable men, faithful witnesses, plural, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That Paul, in other words, is concerned about the fourth generation of Christians. Paul's number one, Timothy's number two, The guys he teaches are number three, and then the guys they teach are number four, right? So Paul's spiritual great-grandchildren, he wants to make sure, get the truth. Why? Because Paul's in prison when this letter's written. He's about to be beheaded. And so he's saying, Timothy, here's the stuff you need to know, because I'm not going to be around to tell you anymore. And men and women, this is our calling. God may not call you to go to India and go hang out in the jungle with monkeys and stuff like He's calling me to go do. But He does have a calling on your life wherever you are. And it might not be that exotic. You might not, you might not be there, but you might be a mom with three kids underfoot and you are trying to figure out how to, to fashion sanity out of whatever circus is going on. Right? Because this is your circus and these are your monkeys for sure. And you're like, holy cow, I don't know what God has got me doing this for. I thought having kids was a good idea, but wow, this is a challenge. Right? Do you know what your calling is? It's this. To make disciples of those Youngsters that you've got underfoot that are climbing your curtains and barfing on your carpet and everything else, okay? It is this. It's to pass on the truth to them, not just verbally, but in the pattern of life that they can then pass on to your great-grandkids. Right? That from one generation to the next that they all know the Lord. If you're an auto mechanic or an accountant or a pastor or a uh, an executive or a school teacher or a nurse or whatever it is you do, you know what you are? You are disguised as that job. And what you are is a disciple-making missionary of Jesus to the people you're with. Let me tell you something. When I was in the hospital... It was not my favorite week. Definitely a week you want to leave off your Christmas list. Um, but when I am, was in there, you know what happened? People start talking. They, you know, they got all these medical people coming in and out, student nurses, uh, CNAs, housekeeping people, other kinds of nurses that are coming in. The physician team is coming in every day to probe around and do their thing. And you know what happened? Word got out that I was a pastor. And then it was like Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon. The doctor is in. Okay. And I have all of these women, CNAs, nurses, and so forth, who come in and they start unpacking their life with me, which I'm more than happy to do. I got nothing else to do confined to this bed. Okay. So you want to talk about Jesus and how to live life? I'm here. Okay. I'm here for it. The gal who wheeled me out of the hospital, like I'm in the wheelchair, I've got my, I've got all wrapped up and so forth, got this wound back attached, and she goes, "So I, I understand you're a pastor." "Yes, I am." "Which church?" I tell her. She starts talking. I said, "You know," I said, "Yeah, you know, been married a long time," and and she's like, "You have kids?" "Yeah, four kids." And my youngest is the guy driving the car to pick me up. And she goes, oh, wow, that's crazy. And I said, yeah, they get it. they grow up fast. And She says, I said, do you have kids? Three. She shows me pictures. And I ooh and aah because they're adorable. I mean, they really are precious, right? Um, and, and I said, you know, I didn't, I, you have three kids, but notice you're not wearing a ring. Are you married? And then she just broke open. Right? And she tells me her whole life story. And I just pray with her and tell her, look, if you need some somebody to talk to about all you're going through, if she's going through a divorce, I said, you know where to find me. I'll be at the Chillicothe Bible Church. I can't get away. Because i got to be strapped to this thing. <laughs> right? Um, and she's like, I think I might come see you. That would be great. Right? So you can pray for her. But, but do you know what that is? That is what God calls you and me to do wherever we are. To talk about Him and to present life to people. And to point them in the direction of Jesus. The person they need to find and learn to follow. Amen? Amen? This is the calling. If what God is doing in the world is saving people from every tribe and nation and language and people group, and He has also saved you and me and given us a responsibility to go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel, guess where all the world is? Wherever you're at. Right? Right? So that's at school, or that's in the military, or that's uh, at the auto repair shop, or that's in your accounting office, or wherever that is. Wherever God puts you, that's the mission field. You feel me? That's the mission field. And I don't care if it's art class, or a... Uh, you know, a, a webinar that you're leading or what it is. God's put you for there for a purpose. And this is just your cover identity to get you in there that you might reach those people with the Gospel and teach them how to follow Jesus. Amen? Alright. Well, so, we'll wrap all this up. Considering God's purpose for the world and His commands to us. Where do you fit in the story? Where do you fit in the story? God is calling you to make disciples wherever you are right now. So that some of the people who one day gather all around the throne are there because of you. Because of you. Not that... Not that. Your presentation of the gospel was so eloquent and so sufficient that uh, you know, they were just compelled to come in. That's not how it works, right? What we are is a glove on the hand of the Master and He grabs people through us into the kingdom. And so if you're willing to be the glove on God's hand, He will open up opportunities for you to do that very thing. Okay, Your neighbors need to know Jesus. You need to show them how to follow Him. Yeah, If you work outside the home, you're not at that job by accident. If you have kids, you didn't have them as a big surprise to the Lord. God put them in your life that you might help them to know Jesus and follow Him until three generations after you. And there might even be some of you Might even be some of you whom God is calling to be to join the band of crazies that go to other places in the world. And I hope that there are. I hope that there are. That there will be some people here in this congregation whom God would raise up and say, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? And you say, Here am I, send me. All right? But you don't have to get that calling, necessarily, to serve the Lord. You're called to serve the Lord wherever He puts you. That's here or somewhere else. Whatever job you have, whatever role you're in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I thank You for the calling that You have given us to have a share in Your kingdom, first of all. And then beyond that, to have a ministry uh, under the great King uh, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead to give new life not only to me and to these, but to people from every tribe and nation and language and people group. Father, I pray that all of us would embrace our calling to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all that Jesus commanded us to do. That we might um, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that we would remember that You are with us every single day. No matter where we are until the end of the age and Jesus return. Father, strengthen us with these things. Encourage us in our hearts Help us to be bold uh, with not just our life, but our lips. Uh, Help what you have done, Father, for us and in us to just pour out of us that people might know that there is a God in heaven and He loves them and has sent His Son for them that they might have new life. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.